0: So, uh, this week I was meditating on what to talk about, and I feel like God led me in a direction of a in-particular topic. This is a topic that a lot of people are interested in, a topic a lot of people like to think about, except when they're in church. And that topic is money. There's a lot of topics I thought about. I could have talked about faith. You know, Jesus spoke about faith a lot. Often he would heal somebody and he would tell them it's because of their faith. Or there were times where he didn't heal as many people and he said it was because of their lack of faith. You know, that would make faith a pretty important topic, right? But Jesus talked about money more than he talked about faith and prayer combined. So I would like to be transparent with you guys as much as I can. So. I think I should tell you guys my projected salary here at Heartland Church. And I'm going to tell you there's at least six zeros involved. Kevin, can you put my salary up? (laughs) So, yes, that's a lot of zeros, isn't it? Especially, you know, sometimes it's important how many are in front of the decimal point. Of course, I'm joking about that. Um, You know, you're normally never told to tell anybody what you make, but I think in this case it's okay. Um, Heartland people have tried to to pay me, so it's not that they're underpaying me, and there's nothing wrong with being a minister who gets paid. In fact, it's biblical to do so. But I had my own convictions on why not to be paid. And one of my concerns is there's this little demonic voice that wants to whisper in people's ears and say, that guy up there speaking to you, all he wants is your money. And I want you to know I don't gain anything by you giving to the church your money except joy knowing that you want to follow Jesus. Even though I know some people don't like to talk about this, I have to because I will be judged on what I teach. In fact, James said that not all should become teachers because those who teach will be judged by God stricter than those who don't teach. So I better not skip on a topic that Jesus pushed on so hard. Before I get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, I just pray that you open up our hearts to receive whatever it is you want to teach us. I pray that your spirit would move in this place, because it's not the power of my words, it's not the power of me being a skilled speaker, because we know that's, that's not doing anything. I just pray that your spirit would move in me and all the people, that we would come in one accord, ready to hear whatever you say and be ready to be moved by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I want to start out in a conversation between a man and Jesus. So please find Luke 12, 13 through 15, and when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me to be judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. You may be seated. So Jesus is in a crowd like he often was when he taught. And this guy asked Jesus to help him with his rightful portion of his inheritance. Or at least that's the way the guy was presenting it. And I want us to notice that Jesus doesn't even address whether it was right for that guy to receive inheritance. What Jesus does address is greed. Greed. I think greed is one of those sins that we don't take serious often. How often do you think about, oh, no, I'm going to be tempted by greed? Has anybody been concerned about the temptation of greed this week? With sexual immorality, you might say, oh, no, I could be tempted by that. I better get an accountability partner or limit my access to the Internet. Murder, you can't even picture yourself doing that. Well at least I hope not. We forget that greed is categorized with those sins. And why is that? Because greed is a part of the Ten Commandments. Remember, it says, "Thou shalt not covet." And the Greek word for greed means "more having. This is the opposite of being content. Apparently, the guy that approached Jesus. Already had enough to live on. And Jesus warned us about pursuing an abundance of possessions. Now we fast forward from Jesus' time to ours now, and what do we see here in the country of America? We see a country of abundance. Sometimes it's hard to relate to these teachings of Jesus that were taught when people weren't nearly as rich as we are. So let's keep that in mind as we read this next verse. It's found in Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is instructing us not to worry about the necessities. He is not talking about the cable bill or the extra car, What do we worry about? Uh, We don't worry and say, oh, no, we don't have clothes. These days, we worry we don't have clothes that we want to wear. Or I want to wear different clothes than what I have. We usually don't worry about food. We worry about what will taste good. He is not talking about the things of abundance. He's talking about the necessities in this part of Scripture. Jesus goes on to tell us that even the birds and the grass are taken care of. How much more will our Father in heaven take care of his own kids? So we can count on God to take care of our needs. So what is God's design to take care of his children? Well, we'll go a little bit deeper into that later. So why does God not want us to worry about those things? He wants us to put our energy in becoming righteous kids of the kingdom. And we see this a few verses down in Matthew 6:33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Stress over money gets in the way of us seeking God. We need to be aware of when we worry because it can hinder our relationship with God. Also, we have to be aware of worrying about not just necessities, but our abundance. Jesus teaches us this parable about a man who worried too much about abundance. And we see this in Luke 12, 16 through 21. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barn and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So we read this and we see this warning to those who are rich. And in this parable, the rich are those who have abundance. And the warning is this guy was not rich towards God and we have to look at our lives and the first thing we have to ask ourselves is do we have abundance I would say most of us have abundance I'd say the majority of us here even in little Goshen are rich if there's a question on whether you think you're rich ask yourself when is the last time I couldn't eat because I didn't have enough money Ask yourself, do I have a place to live? Do I have clothes to wear? Anything over our necessities is abundance. And there was this time where I couldn't work for six months and I had to depend on food pantries and government assistance. And my mommy, my mommy had to help me. And I'm thankful for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I don't want anybody to think I'm belittling people that don't have abundance, and I know it's tough, and if that's you, I just hang in there, and you can rely on God to provide. But there is a greater question, are we rich toward God? Listen to what Jesus says about abundance, and this is found in Luke 12, 32 through 34. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let me ask you this. Have you ever sold a possession so that you could give to somebody? I'll be honest, I can't ever think of a time that I have. In this verse, as I read it, it was very convicting to me. And probably most of us, including myself, need to take a closer look in the mirror. We need to ask, are we doing what Jesus wants us to do? I know when we think of the poor, we think of a lot of people in America who just choose not to work. But in context back then, people were so poor that they died. They couldn't afford to have food. Jesus says, when we follow this, we will get purses that will never wear out. Hopefully, he's got mercies for us guys or something more manly than that. (laughs) But the important thing is, is when we work for those riches in heaven, it will last forever. Not like the guy who built an extra barn for his abundance. Jesus is telling us we should invest in God's kingdom instead of building our own. It's easy in this culture to get caught up in building our own kingdom. The key, according to Jesus, is where our hearts are. If our hearts are all about loving God and loving people, then how can we take all our energy in building a kingdom for ourselves? How can I work extra overtime to spend only on my pleasure? God wants us to be excited about investing in His kingdom. How can I be thinking of or how can we be thinking of ourselves when we get to invest in an investment that pays dividends that will never fade? Think about these parables found in Matthew 13:44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. And then directly after another parable, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. When we realize the value of the treasure in heaven, what it, does it do to the value of the things of this world? The mindset we're supposed to have is nothing compares to this mission of giving. Jesus gives us another parable about this mission. And this is found in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. The one he gave five bags of gold and another two bags and the another one a bag each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, long, that's that's key, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put money on deposit with the banker, so then when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of the gold from him, and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. So the first thing is, who is the master? Well, in this parable, our master is Jesus. He's our Lord. Lord means master. He is the one who gives us money. He's given us so much. He's entrusted us with so much. And he gives according to our abilities. He doesn't want to overwhelm us with work. Jesus wants us to invest our money in the kingdom. The little amount of gold is nothing compared to the happiness we will share with our master. We are given the opportunity to invest while our master is away. Our hope is in Jesus' return. There was one servant who did not carry out the mission of the master. This servant got thrown out of the kingdom. I want that to sink in, that you could be inside the kingdom and be thrown out for being lazy or refusing to do what the master says. The tone in this parable is there is this expectation for us to carry out the work of Jesus. Have you ever heard that we are the body of Christ? Have Have you ever heard that we are the hands and the feet of Jesus? This is that same mentality. Jesus chose us to carry the mission while we wait for His return. He is coming back, and it may be in our lifetime, it may not be. It may be the younger generation under us that carry the torch. But either way, we should carry on His work while we wait for the Master. And Jesus continues on more details about this investment. So picking back up in Matthew 25, uh, starting in 31... When the Son of Man comes into His glory, with all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And just remember, goats is not a good thing. It's not the greatest of all time. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see a stranger invite you in, or needing clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? Then the king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers, And sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or need clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you do or whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is as serious as it gets. I know there are many teachers out there that will tell you when it comes to judgment, you're okay as long as you believe what Jesus did on the cross. But I love you too much to hold this truth from you. We need to believe also just as much what Jesus said. Now, one of the questions is, who are the least of these? Well, you don't necessarily have to give to an organization in America. There are a lot of organizations overseas or who may even be in more need than we are here in the States. But there's nothing wrong with giving to people here in the States. Um, but it's not also just about clothing and food. Jesus mentions people in prison. He, we need to give to people who are spiritually poor. We should just be as concerned about mental health and spiritual health as well. There are different organizations that you could sponsor a child. And I know in this church, we give clothes and food. There are tons of places that you can pray about giving. Sometimes this can be overwhelming, thinking, how can I get rid of this attitude of selfishness? Especially in the culture that we live. We are bombarded with influences to make us want to invest in ourselves. Well, there is an example of a power given to Christians so that they would give. This is found in 2 Corinthians 1, through 1-3. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. I'm proud of myself. I said that right. In the midst of this very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme, extreme poverty. Like, what does extreme poverty look like here? I mean, this is back then. Extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability. The same grace that's in Ephesians 2, that changes our attitudes and making us no longer conform to the patterns of this world, can give us grace beyond our own abilities to give. Let's believe that we can give even more than we have been giving. And I'm not just talking about the church. I want, when we're at the restaurant, to be extremely giving and let our servers know it's because the grace that God's given us to give. I want when we run into people that have needs that we would be willing to pull money directly out of our pockets and give it to them. This is about a lifestyle that Jesus wants us to live. God doesn't need our money, but we do need to give him ours. We need to speak to God and ask us to show us how much of our abundance we should dip into. Before we go and quit, our jobs, and sell everything we have, I do at least have a disclaimer out there. Make sure if you are the provider for your family, you continue providing. Paul says if we quit providing for our families, we're even worse than an unbeliever and have denied the faith. God provides for us, and He's the one who makes sure we have what we need, but He also chose us to be the way that's done. He uses us. We are instructed to care and take care of those in need. And when we do, Jesus tells us it's like we are giving directly to Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just pray. I pray that we would see Your face. We would see the sadness whenever we decide to over opportunities to give to you. That we wouldn't give out of compulsion, but you would change our hearts. That we would have the same grace of that church in Macedonia. That we would give beyond our ability, because without your grace, without your power, we're selfish. If we don't tap into you every day, we can live very selfishly. But it's your power, it's your strength, that gives us the ability to give in a way that pleases you. So I just pray that you grant this for me and everyone here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.